Hi, and welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast from the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture. I'm Dr. Brady Brewer uh, from the Department of Agricultural Economics, and joining me today is Dr. Nathan DeLay, uh, who is also a faculty member here in the Department of Agricultural Economics. Uh, so today's podcast, we're going to focus on the topic of farm data. Specifically, we're going to be looking at a research project that Dr. DeLay is doing along with his colleagues uh, here at Purdue University, thinking about how do you put a dollar value on farm data? Uh, so Nate, welcome today. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I guess my first question opening up is, uh, how do we think about valuing farm data? What do we even mean about the value of something that you can't even, it's not a physical item? Yeah, um, that's sort of why we were inspired to pursue this research project is because um, that question doesn't really have an answer at the moment. And in fact, in 2020 at the uh, Center for Commercial Agriculture's Top Farmer Conference, we surveyed the attendees there at that conference and we posed this question to them, if we were to um, offer to buy your farm data and we would assume complete ownership of that data, it would be ours to do with what we wanted to do, what would we have to pay you to, to for you to agree to that offer? And we gave the um, participants bins anywhere from zero dollars to over a hundred dollars per acre and uh, what we found was there there wasn't really a meaningful answer the distribution was very wide and there were as many people that said that they would agree to less than five dollars an acre as there were that said we need one hundred dollars or more per acre that's a pretty wide distribution exactly so there's no like I said there's really no answer to this question and it's probably because um, farmers haven't thought that much about uh, this kind of hypothetical, but maybe they should be. Well, and it's, yeah, because it's becoming more and more common. We're seeing companies that are acquiring farmer data, whether they like it or not, and other companies that are trying to acquire and willing to offer a price. So this is probably a question that uh, if farmers haven't thought about what uh, they would uh, be willing to accept if someone offers their data, or uh, I know we'll get into this in, in this podcast or in this episode, uh, but what they'd be willing to pay if they could acquire data on a piece of land maybe that they're that they're going to lease. What is that data worth to them? Um, so we should probably clarify before we get deeper into this topic, uh, what type of data are we talking about here? So when, when we pose this question to farmers, we're usually talking about yield monitor data, um, either for one year, the previous year's harvest, or some historical period, five, 10 years. And we're also usually talking about soil sample data which gives, um, you know, with uh, soil maps, detailed soil within field vari variability in soil types. Those are the two that we focused on because those are the most recognizable uh, types of farm data. And um, there's certainly room to expand that definition, but those are the two sources that we really think about. And then how do we think about the valuation of this? Is this on a dollar per acre? Or is this thinking about the volume of the data? How? Um, how does one start to think about valuing the, the data? Good question. We, we have settled on um, framing this in a dollar per acre sort of uh, context. And that's just because farmers tend to think about things on a per acre basis. And most of the data, the ag tech data service providers that you can subscribe to, you usually pay on a dollar per acre basis. So if you um, use Climate Field View or Granular or something like that, um, 
it depends on the, the particular service, but oftentimes those companies have you pay on a per acre basis. Yeah, and, and a lot of I know a lot of uh, ag retailers even if they're doing yield mapping or stuff, they charge three, four dollars per acre. So, so so the farmers are getting charged to collect some of this data, but now there's use after it. Um, so I want to go back to a point you made about the wide distribution of the the valuation of the data. So some farmer said, "Give me a dollar, and I'll and I'll give you all the data I have, and and it can be yours." Some data. Some farmer said, "I want a hundred dollars." Why do we think there's this? such a wide distribution? Shouldn't all data be worth, you know, if if you're going to give me APH data, uh, the average production history, shouldn't that be worth pretty much the same for all the farmers? So those are all great questions and that's one of the things we want to get into with this project that we're working on is what, what, are, the, uh, what are the characteristics of the data itself that lead to higher valuations or lower valuations? And what are the terms of the offer that what could, we could vary that would change farmers' perceived valuation of the data. So uh, data that you share with an ag tech company is different from data that, like we did in that hypothetical, you forfeit and lose ownership of. It would, I, I'm, I have to believe, farmers would expect, accept a lot lower um, offer for data that they could share um, and contribute to some larger data pool, but still maintain uh, records of that data for themselves to use and inform their own management decisions. So uh, kind of the two prongs there, the terms of you know the offer or the contract uh, into which you enter for, sh for data sharing, and then what is the quality of the data that you have on offer? And that's another um, side to this is, you know, if farmers have been dutifully collecting data for many years, using it intensively at a very fine scale, you know, that would have to lead to a higher valuation than, than farm data that's sort of passively collected, you know, potentially even by somebody outside the farm, and then just sort of sits in the shop desk drawer. Yeah, so there's a lot of variables that goes into this valuation uh, decision. And, and one that I want to bring up that uh, we haven't touched on yet, and that's the trust, right? So in the hypothetical example, uh, you're trusting me that I'm not going to take this data that you just gave me and, and have it harm your farm, uh, come back to you in any way, or in the sharing case that you just mentioned. Uh, so let's say it is a large ag, ag tech company and you're sharing their data. There, there's some trust issues there as well. Exactly. Trust is huge. And there was a case uh, early in 2020 that uh, touches on a lot of these points that we've been talking about. And that was um, this company called Tillable, who in late 2019, early 2020, was sending offer letters to uh, farm landowners, offering them, um, in a lot of cases, better terms to rent the farmland that they were leasing out to, to operators in their area. And this got out to the farming community and Tillable just got hammered on social media for sort of violating this trust relationship between the tenant farmer and the landowner. And there was another angle to this that is more related to the data privacy side. And that is, um, there was a story that emerged, a narrative that uh, farmers that were using Climate Field Views product, where they're able to upload uh, as applied data and, and yield data and and all that kind of stuff to make better management decisions. They at that time had a data use agreement with Tillable where uh, farmers could opt to allow FieldView to share data with 
Tillable, which was an outside third party. Um, and that story got out, and that's what really made this a controversy with the farming community. Now, as it turns out, Tillable uh, has claimed uh, from the beginning of this that they never shared or received any data from uh, FieldView. They had an API that they developed, but they never established it such that data was ever shared between the two platforms. So for Tillable's part, they, they have stayed firm to the fact that they were never um, you know, violating trust through this, this data use with FieldView. But the damage was done yeah. because FieldView terminated that relationship and um, it left them with this you know, unfortunate relationship with the farming community. They tried to do a kind of mea culpa, and I don't think it um, really ever went over, but uh, it points to a lot of those issues. Well, and, and I think uh, the fact that they, they claim that they never share data shows how strong this distrust can be, right? Like uh, the, the parties involved here said, no, we actually didn't do it. And just the mere thought of doing it got a lot of farmers upset because they thought that they, their data was being used against them. Exactly. Uh, the idea there was that, uh, you know, Tillable was using this data, finding which farms were underpaying on rent and then going and outbidding them and, and trying to take land away from the farmers. Um, and, and that really, as you said, struck a nerve with a large part of, of the farming community. Right. The other um, point to mention here is that the data that Tillable was using to determine, um, to get better estimates of land values was publicly available. So they're using satellite imagery data and proprietary algorithms to compute um, and to create better estimates of the true value of land, but they weren't using um, data provided by farmers. They were kind of circumventing that relationship. And that's a trend that we've seen emerge where companies like Tillable, and, and there's another one um, called CIBO, spelled C-I-B-O, that uh, is able to do valuations of farm data based on, again, publicly available, mostly satellite imagery. Um, we're seeing these ag tech companies go around the farmer and just be able to estimate values and, and get a sense of what's going on in fields using data that's available to everyone. And um, it's not to say that they're doing something, you know, wrong or, or being, um, you know, misappropriating people's data. It's just the reality that satellite imagery has gotten so good and machine learning and, um, and these kinds of, you know, statistical tools have gotten so good that uh, companies can use data that's just out there. Yeah, and that's that's nothing new, right? A website that probably all of us have probably used, uh, Zillow or Realtor.com, in, in terms of uh, housing search. If you've bought a house in the past 10, 15 years, you've probably gotten on those websites. It's the same concept, right? They're taking publicly available data from the government, uh, you know, thinking about property records, which we can all go look up what uh, a tax assessment a tax assessment is on our particular property, who owns it, and stuff like that. And then Zillow takes that data and forms its own uh, projection of what that piece of property is worth, whether it has a house or a barn or other land or acreage attached to it. Um, and this allows a lot of people to make investment decisions, right? You have Zillow's estimate of what this land is worth. You can see what it's being sold for. So you can be like, oh, this is a really good deal because Zillow thinks it's worth X number less than what it's it's selling for, X number more, uh, and, and allows people to make a profit. Um, uh, so this isn't new out there outside of ag, th these types of data no, issues. No, not at all. I mean, you think about Google Earth. You've, you've been able to use Google Earth to zoom in on your house for years. Yep. 
And uh, it's just been the development of taking that data, that imagery data, and uh, creating some really sophisticated tools to understand what's going on on the ground. All right, so with all this in mind, uh, you and a group of colleagues here at Purdue in the Department of Ag Econ, you guys are, are setting out to research uh, how much farmers are willing to accept for this data, and, and probably one of the unique aspects of this study is you're also looking at what farmers are willing to pay in and seeing if there's a difference. So what, what exactly are you guys trying to do here with, with this uh, new research project? So there's been uh, some research done and, and some talk about the potential for farm data in farmland markets. And it's not common right now for, um, for data to be shared between uh, landowners and tenants, but it could be in the future. Looking at USDA data, which is a nationally representative sample of farmers, we've seen that as of 2016, only about 5% of farms will use their yield monitor data to negotiate a farmland lease. So there's not a lot of farmers that are doing this. And again, it's, it's not a common practice, but uh, for large farms, it's much more common. And for farms that are renting a lot of farm ground, it's more common. So this could be, uh, this could be normal in the future. And so what we're doing is we wanna understand if uh, in a potential lease situation, if the farmland owner is willing to provide historical uh, precision data that has gone along with that farmland, would potential tenants be willing to pay more to acquire that land? So what we're doing is a choice experiment where we give farmer participants uh, different field options. And we're varying the attributes of those fields. And, and one of the attributes is uh, whether the landowner is willing to uh, share historical yield monitor data with the new tenant. So the idea there is uh, we want to be able to estimate farmers' willingness to pay some premium to acquire that data, which would then allow them to make better management decisions on day one of acquiring the farmland. And a positive willingness to pay in that situation would imply that this data does have management value and it does have value to potential tenants. And there could be some uh, you know, mutual gains ha had there between farmers that could use it and landowners that have come to possess it. So if I'm a farmer and you're a landowner uh, and I'm looking to rent uh, a quarter section of land from you, uh, your, your hypothesis is that uh, I would be willing to pay more in rent if you, the landowner, can give me the, the yield map uh, from previous harvests. Correct. And one of the um, details here is that the amount by which you're willing to pay more could be the result of two things. You might perceive my willingness to share this data with you as simply a signal that the farmland is good quality. So there's a signaling value there, um, which would be informative if that's what we find is the only uh, kind of value that this data generates because it still allows landowners to you know, be able to advertise their farmland better. But if you already know the quality of the land, which is a, something we can control for in this survey, and you're still willing to pay more for the data, that implies that there is a management value separate and distinct from the signaling value. So knowing that being able to disentangle those things will be uh, a good result of this project. Yeah, and there's a lot to disentangle because it could be the fact that uh, you give me the data and I find out maybe I'm overpaying, right? Uh, 
my management style doesn't work. Uh, I don't have the equipment for this particular piece of land and, and what's required uh, to grow a crop there. And uh, you could have negative effects as well. Right, right. So we've done some initial testing with this survey and, and this, this isn't the final result, but we have found some suggestive evidence that farmers are willing to pay a little bit more to uh, acquire yield monitor data in these kinds of lease uh, arrangements. Uh, the premium is somewhere between two and four percent, so it's not huge, um, but at least so far what we've seen is, yeah, there's a small premium there. Well, I mean, from, from a landlord perspective, uh, I don't think anyone would object to a two percent raise in, in a particular year. So yes, it is a fairly small when you think of magnitude, but over the course of, of the life you know, that you're renting out the land, that, that can add up. Uh, but that obviously means that there's benefit there to the farmer, right? If they're willing to pay this two to four percent uh, premium, it means that they're probably getting uh, additional income as well. They're not just going to pay it for uh, uh, to be flatline in revenue. Exactly. So there's value to be had for both parties here. So the other side to this is the willingness to accept. What what is a farmer? What can you pay a farmer to have them give data to you? Right. This is more related to that hypothetical we posed to farmers at Top Top Farmer Conference 2020, and that is. Uh, Think now, as somebody that's been collecting data, um, that has these records, and we assume that has value to you, now what would it take for some ag tech company that wants to acquire that data as part of their data network, what would they have to pay you to get you to share that data? And um, again, this is gonna depend on the characteristics of the data use agreement the characteristics of the farm data itself and the degree to which the farmer has uh, engaged with that data. And so those are the kinds of things we're interested in with the willingness to accept side of the project is understanding um, what leads to greater valuation for farm data and what terms from uh, an ag tech company would be incentive compatible for the farmer. Now, do we know a range of what a farmer is willing to accept? I mean, so is this the 100 to 100, or are some farmers, do we have to give them 1000 or $2,000 per acre to get, to get the data from them? Yeah, we, we did, uh, just like with the farmland survey, we did some initial testing on, on this survey as well. And the results were pretty consistent with that um, sort of informal survey we did with uh, the Top Farmer Conference, where, you know, farmers were saying anywhere from less than a dollar an acre to thousand dollars an acre. Um, in this case, we left we let the the per, the survey taker fill in that number themselves, so we left it open ended, and there was you know an equally wide distribution of uh, numbers that they'd be comfortable accepting. So uh, we want to dig a little deeper on this, um, and again, the characteristics of the data use agreement and the some of the farmer side stuff too is is what we're going to be looking at. So that is a, another large distribution of what farmers are willing to accept. Let's let's talk about both ends of the spectrum here. So for the farmers that were willing to accept less than a dollar per acre and they would hand you over their data, what do you think this is uh, signaling? Does this signal that they themselves think that there's no value in the data, so they're just happy to get anything for it? Or do you think it it maybe means they don't under, fully understand what, what the data is? Uh, what's driving that very low end of, of the willingness to accept farmers? Well, I think there's a, a an aspect of familiar, familiarity with um, this data that we're talking about in the first place. And because this isn't a, uh, with few exceptions, there isn't really a market for farm data. There's not a, 
there's not a established market price for you know five years worth of yield monitor data on this soil type in this kind of you know climate. So uh, it's hard to have a reference point. So when we see um, respondents say a dollar less than a dollar an acre, to me that indicates that they number one haven't been confronted with this. They probably don't engage with data very much or even collect it at all. And um, yeah, like you said, I think they in this situation, they'd be happy to get anything. And, and in the other end of the spectrum, the farmers that said, you need to give me more than $1,000 per acre uh, for me to hand you over the, the data. There's a lot going on here as well. Because first off, this sends a signal to me, I don't want to give you my data. Uh, and, and this could be for a multitude of reasons. Uh, you know, the first is the trust issue we brought up. Um, so I, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably thinking the same thing there. Uh, and then the other thing that comes to mind is, is that the farmers think it's really valuable and they just don't want you to have something that they view as really valuable. Yeah, there's probably both uh, going on there. My, my suspicion is that when people have a number that's that high, they, they're really signaling that they wouldn't agree to the, to the sale. And they just want to make it clear that the data is just not for sale. Um, now, who those kinds of farmers are and what amounts and types of data they're collecting, if any, would be interesting to know because it, it could easily be the case that um, farmers that really don't collect a lot of data could also be on that far right end of the distribution. And this really comes down to a feeling of mistrust with some you know, unfamiliar ag tech company and they, you know, maybe going back to that tillable controversy, the perception that their data is um, not secure. So, okay, so you guys are trying to measure the difference between the willingness to pay and willingness to accept. So what farmers want if, if, they're, if we're going to take their data from them and what they're willing to pay if they want additional data for a particular piece of land. Uh, what, what's the conclusion? Um, and obviously this research, you, you guys are undergoing this, so I, I'm looking forward to when you can update us with, with actual results. If these are different, right? So let's say a farmer is willing to pay less than what they're willing to accept. W what is that going to signal to us? Well, it's, it's probably to be expected because this isn't a sta an established market. So in markets that have um, a clear market price and that are well-established, you don't see a lot of disparities between willingness to pay and willingness to accept. But in a market like this where it really hasn't developed, I would expect to see a, a large divide. And if and when we do see that divide, that would signal to me that um, the, the privacy issue could be driving a lot of the high valuation of the data that I myself possess, and um, that could at least partially explain that difference. If we see that there's actually a, a small difference between the two, I think that'd be really interesting because it, it would imply that um, you know farm farm data as a management tool doesn't involve these heavy privacy concerns. My suspicion is we're going to see a big difference. So if there are these privacy concerns that you guys find, and there is this large gap between what the farmer wants for their data and what they're willing to pay, does this mean that it, it's going to stall this data market emerging, that we're not going to see this big transfer of, of farmers uh, giving data to their landlords and the landlords being able to give that to farmers that may be wanting to rent their land? Is that a big barrier in this market? 
I think it could be. Um, so there is one place that I came across where um, that sort of approximates a, a farm data market, and it's called Farm Mobile. They had something, I think it's called the Data Store, where farmers can upload uh, data to this platform, and then potential buyers can peruse these different data sources and offer cash bids to acquire that data. And then the farmers can either accept or reject those offers. So I'm not sure how, uh, what scale this is taking place on, but there's at least one example of, yeah, there's kind of a farm data marketing, farm data market emerging. Um, I think more examples of that could potentially arise to the point where maybe farmers start to think about their data as an asset on their ledger book, right? Where um, there's, there's ready buyers and there's some established market value for data of that type and they could record it as an asset. Um, until that's done on a large scale, I don't think that's in the near future. But uh, examples like that could give us some more information about this willingness to pay, willingness to accept. Yeah, and so I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Uh, think about these markets that are developing. So you're right, farmers may start thinking about their data as an asset on their balance sheet, right? It has value. People are willing to pay for it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions about how this marketplace emerges, but you know, I'm gonna draw a parallel to, to the tech industry again. You think about Facebook. Uh, Facebook collects a lot of data. They use, uh, and in some cases, people say that it's our data since we're the one that's, you know, the users of Facebook, we input it. Uh, but, you know, we all sign the terms and, uh, you know, terms of service when we create a Facebook account. So it's technically Facebook's data. Uh, they use it internally, but a lot of the value that Facebook creates is selling that data and, and allowing other people uh, to, to drive value from it, right? So, you know, what you're kind of suggesting is that if we see these markets emerge, we're probably going to see a shift where farmers are thinking of, of the data as an output. There, there's value there that other people want. Right, right. Uh, you can think about OnStar that um, was established in the 90s, I think, on cars. And um, we thought it was just a nice, helpful tool in case you got into trouble on the road. But it was collecting a huge amount of data to allow auto manufacturers to design their vehicles better. The same is true of ag equipment um, and ag equipment manufacturers. You know, the, the data that this new John Deere um, smart sprayer is going to generate is going to, it's absolutely going to, uh, inform John Deere how to better design smart spray technology and, um, and future precision ag innovations. So yeah, there's, that gets back to the ownership question because the data, the telematic data generated by that equipment, uh, when we um, use those services, it's, it's not, you know, we don't have any expectation that it's the farmers. And yet, um, Companies are collecting it and amassing it, and they're still finding value in the data that farmers are willing to share. So another topic I want to bring up is thinking about how you know the value of data plays in uh, to one of the other hot topics in agriculture, and that is these carbon credit markets. Right. So there's a lot of interest in the power of agriculture to um, to sequester carbon on farms using different regenerative practices. And farm data can play a big role in that because 
Uh, you know, you can't improve what you don't measure, and farm data allows uh, farmers to demonstrate the practices that they're doing to offset carbon emissions. So it's going to be an increasingly important side to this whole farm data conversation because, um, again, uh, to demonstrate these the success of these regenerative practices is going to involve uh, data. So I guess my question here is, who is setting the price for this particular data? Is this, a, is this a government set price and then farmers have to decide if their data is worth it and to do the program or not? Or is this going to be a marketplace where farmers can dictate, uh, you know, with, with these carbon credits, uh, how much they get and, and how, how they trade their data? I think that's going to come down to just the interactions of supply and demand. Because the, we know that there is uh, interest in agriculture as a carbon offset. We know that there's, it sounds like there's some demand for these credits from polluters. I think it comes down to the incentives for producers to be on the supply side and uh, to per participate in these programs. So there's been a lot of questions about um, these kinds of programs in terms of what do they have to do to participate? How long is the commitment? Um, is there danger of double dipping between these kinds of carbon programs and other conservation programs? And uh, the, I think data can help alleviate some of those friction points. Um, but we'll just have to see. We, we haven't seen an actual carbon contract yet. So we don't know what's determining the price. And right now, I think there's a lot of interest, but there hasn't been much on the ground examples to draw from. So it sounds like the main point is that if you're a farmer and you haven't thought about the value of your data, you need to be thinking about that because not just because of the data market, but these carbon markets, you're going to have to determine what it's going to be valued at here uh, fairly quickly. Yeah, it could be that um, in terms of sustainability programs and carbon programs, the data is just that much more valuable. Well, you've given us a lot to think about, and for sure on the farming side, uh, you know, this, this topic is complex, and it's very obvious from the wide distributions in your preliminary research. Some farmers value it as a, at a dollar, some farmers value it as a thousand dollars. There's a, a lot of disagreement on where this data should be valued and, and the reasons why or why not a farmer may, may value it. Uh, so we just want to remind everyone, for more economic information, please visit us at the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture's website at purdue.edu slash commercial ag. On behalf of the Center for Commercial Agriculture, we thank you for listening.